Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, and we want to continue with this that uh, we have been on, on a covenant of blood. I believe, I, was, I believe this is the 12th installment of this. We're going to be teaching on this most of the year. Uh, we may take some uh, little breaks and teach on something else, but we'll always come back to it. And uh, always believe what God said about certain things. Always believe, number one, what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? Uh, and we've talked about that at length. God said in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, he said he cannot lie. God who cannot lie, not will not, not does not, cannot. He cannot lie. God doesn't lie because he can't lie. Uh, that phrase cannot lie in the Greek is the phrase that says no lie. No lie exists. All right. So the Greek says in God is no lie. If, listen, if you ever tell a lie, it's because a lie was there. If you ever shade the truth, it's because it was there. God can't shade the truth or tell a lie because there's no lie in him. Whatever he says is truth. His word is truth. John 17, 17, your word is truth. Uh, He said in Malachi 3, 6, he said, I can't change. I don't change. Amen. He said in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So always believe what God said about himself. What, and that, that takes people's experience and what they went through takes it out of it. Well, I knew so-and-so and they believed that and it didn't work for them. But what God say? That's why Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said, I want you to settle something. You let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, you consider what God said truth. Everybody else can lie, but not God. Amen. Right? Always believe what God said about his word. He said in Isaiah 55, 11, his word would not return void. It would not return empty. It would not return vain or useless is, is, is the phrase in the Hebrew. And he said, but it will accomplish the thing that I sent it to do. And not only will it accomplish it, it will prosper in it. So it'll get the job done and it'll produce abundance. He said in the book of Jeremiah 23, he said, Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks into pieces the rock of the most stubborn resistance? So there's nothing that you can put the word of God up against that it will not consume or destroy. Glory to God. Then you've got to believe what God said about what he would do. And you can fill in the blank there. He said he'd meet all your needs. He said he'd heal your body. He said he'd, heal, he'd save your children. He said he'd restore to you the years that the canker worm and the caterpillar and, 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 and the army of the devourer came to destroy. He said to us in, in the year of 2022, he said, I will recompense you for any suffering and any pain that you endured this year. 
He said you would have a year of beautiful clarity, astounding abundance. A year of revival and signs and wonders and miracles. Church services full of the glory of God. Backslidden believers, lukewarm believers coming back to God. A year for the church to display God's power. That's what God said about himself. Amen. About what he would do. You can get so wrapped up in what other people say about God. You do yourself a favor to not worry about what other people say about God and just find out what God said about himself for yourself. Amen. Amen. I'll have people come up to me sometimes. They'll say, are you, you listening to so-and-so? No. Yeah, but he's a good preacher. I understand that. I don't listen a lot to what other people have to say about God. You've got to be selective. You don't need any just anybody's cooking. I don't. <laughs> Jeremy said, me either. <laughs> Jeremy looked at something and said, that is not my jam. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Right? You got to be careful with that. What did God say about himself? And then always remember you have a covenant. Say it out loud. I have a covenant. covenant. Say it out loud. I have a covenant. Now, this is important in this whole series. You have a covenant. I have a covenant. Always remember that the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The blood of bulls and goats in the first covenant, the blood of the Lamb of God in the second covenant. Number three, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. To have strong faith, I've got to have a covenant mindset. The relationship that we have with God is based on the covenant that God made with Abraham. Almost every promise that you see in the, in the second covenant in the New Testament can be traced back to Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 19, the covenant that God made with Abraham. This is so important. In Genesis 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, of course this was before Abram's name changed to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, into a land that I will show you. Hmm. Okay. And I'll make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. So we see here the beginning of the covenant that God would make with Abraham, or with Abram, Abraham for the sake of of just using one name. God began this relationship by asking him, notice, to leave his country, to leave his kindred, and his father's house. That's what he said, right? And notice what it says. It says, so Abram, notice, Abram departed. Now, when you look that over in, in, in the Greek, uh, the, uh, the, the literal Hebrew Bible says, so Abram immediately obeyed. Abram immediately obeyed. He obeyed and left. Our part of the covenant is faith 
and obedience. You got to keep going back to this. You have a covenant with God who cannot lie, cannot change, and cannot break his word. So there is no reason not to put your faith and your obedience in what he said. See, strong faith is simply, simply starts with understanding God can't lie. If you wonder if God will, you're not in faith. Period. End of discussion. Faith doesn't doubt if God will. Faith knows God can't lie. And if God can't lie, everything he said can be depended upon to come to pass. Well, now, Pastor, you shouldn't tell people they're not in faith. Well, you want me to let you keep faking it? If I'm not where I need to be, I want to know I'm not where I need to be. I'm not saying you're not. I'm saying you got to examine that. Am, am I convinced God cannot lie? I don't know what dealings God had had with Abram before this incident, but here's what I know, is that Abram had come to a place where he trusted God to the extent that he would just leave immediately. Amen. Amen. Faith and obedience are the primary requirements in a covenant relationship. I have to have faith in what was promised and obey what is asked. I have to have faith in what was promised and then I have to obey what I'm asked to do. That's a covenant relationship. My response determines God's response. Because especially in our circles, we're big to talk about how everything God's going to do is already done. Then why don't we see more people walking in everything that God said is already done? Because the fact that it's done doesn't mean it's going to be in your life if I don't exercise faith and obey. Amen. See, there, there's a problem that we have that, 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 that's come in the last quarter century or the last 30 years, and it's this. We've had good teaching on how, you know, God's not a legalist, and the blood of Jesus bought and paid for us, and, you know, we're not under law, but we're under grace. But something that snuck in there is that you don't have to do anything. Well, if you don't have to do anything, how are you going to ever get anything? Believing is an act. Believing is doing. When you believed, oh Jesus, when you believed that you were born again, there's things that you begin to stop doing and things you started doing. And there were things you had to make yourself quit doing. You didn't just automatically quit. You had to decide, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm a new creature. I have, my life is no longer my own. It is hid with God in Christ. I'm not doing that no more. Right? And what happened when you exercised faith in what God said about you being a new creature? You got delivered from that thing, whatever it was. Is that right? 
Your part is faith and obedience. My part is faith and obedience. My response, what God has prom- to what God has promised. See, what God has promised, He's promised. It won't change. If God said it, it's settled forever, O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. Forever. Forever. It's settled. It will not change. Jesus said that if one jot, a dotting of an I, or one tittle, the crossing of a T, that if it changed, heaven and earth would pass away. Amen. Amen. But most religious-minded people have this idea that God changes his mind to suit his moods. God's not moody. God's not emotional like you are. God's a spirit. He has emotions, but he's not emotional. God didn't wake up today and, boy, the sun's out. I'm happy today. Woo! Had all that snow and ice just passed. Those were some dreary days. Amen. God doesn't ever have to look at the right hand and over there with Jesus and pump him up. Come on, JC. Come on. Right? God is, not only is God not moved by what you're facing, why is he not moved by what you're facing? Because he knows what he said about what you're facing. God depends on his word. If I have said it, that's how it will be. Your mindset is, did God say it? If God said it, that's how it is. And you don't focus on what you can't see. You focus on what you, what you can always see is what God said. I can always go to the Word and find out what God said. And then I can always base my action on what He said. Lord, this is what you said. Why do you think He said, when, when He said, when you need something, Come and let us reason together. Put me in remembrance of my word. Because God forgot? No, because you're, you're, putting, you're taking the word to God and you're saying the same thing he said and Jesus said you'd have whatever you say. So if you're saying what God said, you'll have whatever God said. Amen. Is that right? And so when you take the word to God and you say, now, Father, this situation's going on. You're battling something in your body. But you said right here, Father, you said in Exodus 15 that you were the Lord and my healer. You said you were my physician. You said in Exodus 23 that you'd bless my bread and water and take sickness from my midst. Is that right? You said in Deuteronomy 7.15, Lord, you said you're the merciful God that keeps covenant and mercy unto a thousand generations. So I just want you to know, I'm battling this in my body, but Father, I declare I'm healed based on the Word of God. You're saying what God said. Amen. And you're being obedient. To say something God didn't say about you is disobedience and a lack of understanding of who I am and whose I am. If God said you're blessed, who's lying when you say you're not blessed? God can't lie. 
So that only leaves one person. The guy sitting next to you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Pastor, that's strong. That's how you come out. Amen. If God says I'm healed and I say I'm sick, it's not just a negative confession. What's God say? God said I'm healed. So what is if God said it, what is it? Truth. Truth. If I say something that's not truth, what is it? A lie. Hallelujah. My response determines God's response. God has promised what he promised and it won't change. My response is is the, the deciding factor on whether or not it occurs. My response. Anybody in here that's born again, when, when the Holy Spirit convicted your heart or you heard the message and the Word of God convicted you, at that moment you had an opportunity to respond or reject. Is that right? So how did you get saved? People say, well, Jesus forgave me and moved into my heart. Uh, wrong answer. According to Romans chapter 10, it says that you were saved because you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord. What are both of those responses? You had to believe something and you had to say something. So your response determined God's response. You were not forgiven until you believed and confessed. Well, God had forgiven everybody's sins. He has forgiven everyone's sins in principle, but everyone is not partaking of that forgiveness because everyone has not responded correctly. Amen. Everybody's forgiven. The blood of Jesus has been shed for everybody. That's why he said, all you got to do is believe and confess, and it's done. Nothing you got to do to earn it. Nothing you got to do to make it happen. It's done. It's a finished deal. It's part of the covenant. Glory to God. A covenant promise is only as sure as the one promising and the obedience of the one receiving. That covenant promise is only as sure as the one who's promising. Well, God can't lie. That makes it very sure. And it's only as sure as the one receiving the promise. What will you do with the promise? Amen. The the first group of Israelites that came out of the land of Egypt, they wouldn't believe God. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They wouldn't believe God. The second group got into the promised land and stopped. And Joshua had to come to them a few years later and say, how long are you going to wait until you go get everything that God promised you? They believed God. They entered into the covenant, the, 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 the promised land. Well, it was a promised land. Where did the promise come from? The covenant of promise. It was the land promised to Abraham in the covenant. It's not heaven. 
for the New Testament believer, it's a picture of the new life. That's what was promised to you that's tied back to that covenant. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on us through the Spirit. We might get what the Spirit promised Abraham. But I can be in my new life, I can be in the promised land and still not taking everything that God has for me because it still requires obedience. In verse 4 here, Genesis 12, Abraham departed as the Lord said to him. So notice what he departed on based on what the Lord said. Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. Hallelujah. Your goal, your determined purpose is when God says it, I act on it. That's how covenant partners act. Amen. But I'm I'm a child of God, a child with a covenant. Amen. Your job is act on it when God says it. I've I've been doing this a long time, long enough to, to know something. And I've watched people over the years, and they'll come to me consistently and I've, and, and, and I've had people come to me this year and say this. Well, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me about that. The Lord wants me to do that. Well, you've got two options there. You can smile and nod your head. Or you can say, what are you waiting on? Because whatever He's promised you is on the other side of you doing something. If God, see, Here's here's where people miss Am I helping you with this? Here's where people miss it. They don't look at God as their covenant partner. If you have an option, if you think you have an option where what God has asked you is concerned, you'll take it. But in a covenant, I don't have an option. I, I know everybody in here that's married. And you know marriage is a covenant. You know, I don't have a girlfriend option. Right? Hallelujah. Like the old folks used to sing that song. The Bible is right. The Bible is right. And he said, I told you once. I told you twice. You can't get to heaven with a sweetheart and a wife. (laughs) People say that's legalistic. No, it's right. There's no girlfriend option in the covenant. There's no boyfriend option in the covenant. You don't have that option. So what does that mean? You can't take it. You can't have a girlfriend or a boyfriend if you got a covenant. Is that right? There's no room in the covenant for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's no room for disobedience in the covenant. There's no room for God's been dealing with me and I haven't done it yet. There's no room for that. If God is your covenant partner and you are in covenant with God, when God asks, you move. Oh, hallelujah. See, if it isn't anything other than this, the Lord says I'm healed, so I'm saying I'm healed. 
but you don't look any better. Oh, but I'm healed. Why? Because my covenant partner said I'm healed. So I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm blessed going in and coming out. You don't look blessed, but I am because he said I am. That changes how I think. It changes how I act. It changes how I believe. It's It's a requirement for strong faith. Faith doesn't work in vacillation. Faith doesn't work in wishy-washiness. You are or you're not. That's faith. Yes or no. That's why Jesus said, remember what he said? He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He said, anything other than that, sin's going to get in. Right? What, who's the man that, that, that God said in the book of Psalms that he loves? A man that will swear to his own hurt and will not repent. Why? Because what God say about himself in Psalm 110. He said, I will not change the words that have come out of my mouth. I won't alter my covenant and I will not change what's comes out, come out of my mouth. And the next verse said, what I have sworn to David my servant is what's going to happen. What God has sworn to you his servant, to you, his child, is what's going to happen because God will not change his words that have come out of his mouth. So to get the full import, to get the full effect of what God said, I've got to act as quickly as I can on what God said. I can't do everything he's asking me to do right now. You can do something. Can't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I'll deal with people. I, I, I've dealt with people before, and they, they would ask me about finances. I'm not a financial advisor other than what the Bible says. But people say, how, how do I save money? I say, you got to start. Oh, I don't have anything saved. Did you go to Starbucks this week? Well, yeah, then you got money to save. Now think about what I'm saying. If you come to me for my advice and tell me all the reasons you can't, how can I help you? You have a covenant with God who cannot lie, who does not change, cannot break his covenant. And he says, I need you to do this, and this will be the result. Well, the Lord's been dealing with me about that. Wait a minute. How long can we put off what God wants us to walk in? How long will we be willing to do that? How much better could life be with instant response to my covenant partner? Hallelujah. Genesis 15. And verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me you've given no seed, and one born in my house is my heir. Well, Abram's not mad at God. He's not frustrated with God. He's just telling it like it is. 
God says, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram says, okay, at that great reward, I understand what you're saying, but what could you possibly give me as a reward? I don't even have an heir. This hired servant is going to be my heir. Notice what God said. The word of the Lord said, this will not be your heir, but one that will come out of your own bowels will be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad. Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars. If you're able to number them, he said to him, so shall your seed be. Now notice something. And he believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted it to him for righteousness. Now, God makes promises to Abram here that he'll have a son. And notice what it says he did. He believed God. This is the first time you see where the Bible says Abram believed God. He believed God and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, I'm, 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 I'm showing you something I want you to see. Abram didn't need a law. Three times in the Bible, he's called the friend of God. Three times. God's friend. Friends believe friends. Amen. Friends believe friends. Abram told God, look, what could you give me as a reward? I don't have a son. This, this hired servant is going to be my heir. And his friend, his covenant partner said, no, that's not going to be your heir. You're going to have a son that comes out of your own body that's going to be your heir. And Abraham said, okay, I believe it. And God counted it to him for righteousness. He didn't need a law to be in right standing. He got into right standing with God by faith, by believing God. See, here's the thing. You are righteous and made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you can be unrighteous in your response to God even though you are righteous. Amen. To not do what God tells me is unrighteous behavior. It's like I'm not righteous with God. Because that's how unrighteousness acts. If I'm right with God, and I am by the blood of Jesus, then what God says is right. I believe what God said. Oh, glory. Verse 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I will inherit it? And he said, take a heifer of three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he took them all and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. Verse 17, and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, Under your seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates. So God makes a promise to Abram. And notice, Abram said, How will I know? What will be the token? What will be the sign? What will be the evidence that you'll keep your word? And he said, Well, take these animals. 
and sacrifice them. Well, he did. So the blood's on the ground. Abraham is sitting there. You remember the Bible says when the fowls came, he drove the fowls off the sacrifice. He's sitting there, and that, that sleep came on him, and God began to speak to him. The blood of the animals is part of the evidence, part of the evidence. What clinched the deal and settled this forever in Abram's mind was when he woke up and saw God walking through those pieces. This is important. When God was willing to walk through the blood of the sacrificial animals, making verbal promises, he had verbally and visually bound himself to what he was promising. Abram did not just hear God, he saw God walk through those pieces. He had a verbal commitment and a visual commitment. From this point forward, Abram believed God. Hallelujah. He had heard God promise and he'd witnessed God binding himself through the avenue of blood to what he had promised. Now there's no excuse. God's walked through the blood and verbally committed and visually committed. And that's why if you don't see God as bound by blood to what he said, you will give him room to not do what he said. God does not ask for that room, and he does not make room to not do what he said. We make room for him to not do what he said. Hallelujah. I should say that again because you're kind of just looking at me like a dog at a new dish. God will never make room to not do what he said. There, there's no clause. There's no asterisk by anything in the word. What God has said is immediately truth and immediately forever. Amen. Immediately. I make room for why God does not do what he said. You understand? Hallelujah. Here's what I've heard people say. Well, you know, I may not get healed here, but I'll get healed in heaven. Baloney. Nobody's getting healed in heaven. Nobody's sick in heaven. No healing happening in heaven. When, when you get to heaven, that sick, that, that sick body's not going. Your glorified self arrives there with no sickness. Now, why do people say that? To make, to make, to make, oh Lord, I can't. To make not believing what God said easier on their mind. Well, I'll either get it here or there. How about here? This is where people need you well. This is where your family needs you. Amen. Nobody needs you well in heaven. There's nobody sick in heaven. Everybody's well in heaven. I mean, it's like Genesis Health Club 24-7. Everybody's healthy there. It's here. It's here the covenant rights need to be operated in. It's here that you need to believe what God said is absolute truth. Right here. 
Amen. Glory to God. I've preached myself happy. I preached myself happy over the offering. Amen. Amen. So from that point forward, he believed God. You, you give the word full reign. What the word said, you give it full operational capability in your life. Whatever the word said. Because that's what's bound by blood. That's what cannot lie. Amen. Every other circumstance is subject to change because it's being dealt with by an unchangeable substance. When you inject an unchangeable substance into a changeable circumstance, the circumstance changes. That's why when you take the word and you plug it into your circumstance, it changes the changeable. But the changeable doesn't change the unchangeable. Somebody asked Oral Roberts one time, they said, what are you going to do if the next person you lay hands on dies? He said, nothing, we're all going to die. People say, I was cold-hearted. No, that's the truth. Then they asked him another time. They said, what are you going to do if a person you lay hands on dies in your service? He said, I'm going to say, next. Because it doesn't change what God said. Right? The the scripture that we quote in Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. Now stop right there. What's the rest of it say? But it will not come near you. So does it change that it will not come near you because a thousand fall over here and 10,000 fall here? Does it change anything? It doesn't change anything. Was God true to his word for you? Yes, but a thousand died and 10,000 died over here. But did he keep his word to you? I don't know what they believed. I know what I believe. I know what God is bound to according to his word. Amen. Say it out loud. I know I I have a covenant. Therefore, my God, my covenant partner, will always, eternally keep his word to me. Settles it. Settles it. I don't know what they believe. I know what I believe. And see, it's what you believe. Yeah, but you know, I got sick, and he said he was my healer. Are you sick now? Well, no, I'm better now. So he took it. So he did what he said. He said, I'll take sickness from your midst. You miss a good chance to shout, run, jump, do something. Amen. I know how we are. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Let me move right along. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'm the Almighty God, walk before me, and I'll make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be a father of many nations. God promised Abraham that through him all families of the earth would be blessed and that he would be the father of many nations or a multitude of nations. Now, there's something that 
a lot of people don't look at here. The word nations here is, a, is a, the Hebrew word, and it's the Hebrew word goy or goyim. Goy or goyim. It is not a favorable term because it means Gentiles. A Hebrew would never call a Hebrew a goy. It's a slam. It's, 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 it's a racial slur to them. But this is the word that's used here. In you, all nations, all goyim will be blessed. Now follow me with this. It's usually used of non-Hebrews. It means Gentiles. It means heathen. That, I know that that applies to a lot of you before you got born again. Heathens. Hallelujah. Jeremy looked right at Jamie and said, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound like Aunt Esther. Yo, heathen. Amen. <laughs> Glory. Glory to God. Probably a full 80% of the crowd didn't even know what I just did. So we, we have pity on you all. You missed a lot in your life. Amen. God's letting Abraham know what? That it's not only the natural seed of Abraham that will benefit from this covenant. It's the Gentile nations as well. That's why you got to say regularly what? I have a covenant. I have a covenant. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. I have a covenant. Malachi 1 and 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down of the same, my name will be great among the Gentiles. Now this is prophetic. And notice he says, it will be great among the Gentiles. Now, If you've ever read Malachi, why is he saying that? Because he's telling them, my name isn't great among you. If I'm a father, where's my honor? And he's prophesying. He's saying, I'm telling you, the day is coming that from the rising of the sun. Now, now, let's let's do a little uh, 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 geography. Where does the sun rise? Where? So from the east to the going down, where does it go down? From the east to the west. Is that right? My name will be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. Is that what he said? My name will be great among the Gentiles and the heathen. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. Notice in Romans 4.13. For the promise that he, Abraham, should be heir of the world. Now, very often people use that in terms of prosperity, but it's not so much in terms of prosperity. God told Abraham, he said, that through you all nations will be blessed. You'll be heir of the world. The world. Well, the world isn't just Israel. Is that right? 
The promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness which is of faith. Notice, so the promise is entered into by faith. My part of the covenant is faith and obedience. To think of yourself as less than what God says you are exhibits a lack of faith in what God said. And so he said he was the heir of the world. Now go to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. And verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And notice what Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. The next verse says, the centurion answered, and said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, right? But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having servants under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. I say to this man, come, and he comes. I say to this man, do this, and he doeth it. Is that right? What Jesus said, notice the next verse. Jesus said, when he heard it, he marveled. And said to them that followed him, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, don't miss this. Not the nation, the people. I've not found this kind of faith in the people of Israel. The people that I was sent to. the ones that I was sent to, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, I have not found this kind of faith. Now notice the next verse. And I say to you that many shall come from the east all nations will be blessed. There will come a day that my name will be revered among the Gentiles from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. I'm telling you, he said that many will come from the east and the west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Notice what it says. But the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? There will be those that should have been partaking of the covenant promises, but would not enter into them by faith that will not partake. But there will be those that had no covenant, that were strangers from the covenants of promise, but because they believed God, they were brought into that covenant, and they came from the east and the west, and we are now seated with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Because I have a covenant. 
Hallelujah. So Jesus pointed out his faith. Now notice this. This man knew something. To be in the presence of Jesus' word was to be in the presence of Jesus. To be in the presence of the word of God is to be in the presence of God. What I believe about God's word is what I believe about God. Hallelujah. What what you believe about God colors your relationship with God. Hallelujah. If, if you think God is harsh and austere, if you think that God is doesn't want to be bothered with your problems, I'll hear, I'll hear Christians say that. Well, you know, God's got more to be concerned about with than what I'm going through. You need another dip. And I don't mean of Copenhagen. You, you, you need another dip in the love of God. Because he said, call to me and I'll answer you. Amen. Amen. Did, didn't the Bible say in, in 1 Peter 5, 7, what's it say? You know it. You can quote it. Casting all of your care on him because he cares for you. He's asking for you to cast your care on him because he cares about you. If God made a covenant with you, there's nothing too small or nothing too large. There's nothing insignificant. If it matters to you, it matters to your covenant partner. Glory to God. You know, I can carry this load. Why? Why do you want to carry it when you have a blood-sealed covenant that says God will take all of that from you. And right, come and learn of me, Jesus said. And learn this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me, all ye that are laboring and are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Because there's a covenant between you and I. Don't be carrying what I said I would carry for you. Glory to God. See, I have a covenant. And when care tries to come in, you say, no, I've got a covenant. I will not carry care. I refuse the care. But pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. If you knew the covenant that you had with God, you would never make that statement another day in your life. It doesn't matter if I know or your neighbor knows or your brother knows or your sister knows. God knows. And God said, I will take it away from you. I will destroy the yoke. I will destroy the care. I will destroy the problem because I've got a covenant with you. Settles the issue. Settles the issue. And you enter into that by faith. Hallelujah. I'll have ministers say, well, brother, how's it going? You still in the fight? What do you mean? The fight's won. Ah, but you know, no, I don't, I don't know. Tell me what you mean. Either we've won or we haven't. Either we're enforcing the victory or we're not. You're healed or you're not. You're prosperous or you're not. Your kids are saved or they're not. Well, uh, they're not living for God. They're not. Then God lied. Then God lied. 
Because he said he would contend with them that contend with you and he would save your children. He said that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh and that your sons and your daughters would prophesy. If God is not working in your children's life, then he's a liar. Let's close this book. Let's sell this place and make it a bar because nothing he said was right. Everything he said is a lie. If God ever lied to you, nothing's true. Let's all just go party tonight and get ready to go to hell. Because that's the only other alternative. What God said is what God said, and God meant every word he said, and every word is truth. I've had people over the years say, you're you're too hard about that. Really? My life has been saved. God delivered me. God healed me. They gave up on me. And God brought me back. Everybody said I would never do anything with my life. And I took the word of God and the covenant promises of God and built my life around it. Now you say whatever you want to say and you act however you want to act. God can't lie. God cannot lie. And if you choose to think he can, you and I don't have anything more to talk about. Because you will not call the God I serve a liar. Won't. So so if, if you think God's using sickness or you think God hadn't done something, just don't come talk to me. Because God made a promise and he swore it in covenant blood. And he cannot lie. Amen. That's the mindset. That's the mindset. Pastor Michelle and I were coming out. We had a, a, a program for years. One radio station doesn't exist anymore here in the metro. And a, a good friend of ours was on that uh, program right after us. And he had suffered a stroke. He was an older man. And he had suffered a stroke. And he was out for a few months. Well, we came out and it was his first day back. And we loved him and his wife. Uh, well, he's in heaven. She's not. She's still moving on. But uh, in any event, we came out, and he was sitting there. And, of course, Pastor Michelle, you know, she's just, Pastor Michelle, what you see is what you get. She's just so innocent uh, about things. And uh, she just ran up and hugged him, and she said, oh, it's just so good to see you, and, and we missed you so much. And he said, yeah. He said, I was doing too much, and the Lord had to slow me down. Boy, I saw it was like, whoom. It just, there was a shift. And she looked at him and she said, how dare you talk about God that way? Boy, the whole room just got quiet. She said, for you to talk and talk that our loving father would put a stroke on you and almost kill you. She said, how dare you lie about God like that? Well, he's a good man. And she wasn't trying to be mean. It just came up in her. Well, If you're a 23-year-old prostitute walking the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, and you had overdosed several times in your life and went to hell, and God brought you back, you might not like it if people lied about him either. See, I know where I was when I found out I had a covenant. And I know where I'm at today. And, 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 and when, when you believe that, I have a covenant with God. So everything God said is right now, currently in the process of coming to pass in my life. You don't know it, but the Holy Spirit's reserving chairs for your kids. Even kids you don't have yet. 
Yeah, but I lost my kids. I know, so did we, but we got them back. Because God's a covenant God. Listen, I'm not in a hurry. If you're taking medicine, it's exactly 12 o'clock. You know I'm not going to keep you too much longer. But think about this. Where were you when God found you? What was your life like? And God picked you up and did what he said. Amen. Amen. You have a covenant. Everything he said is going to happen. Everything he said is going to happen. That seed that you put your, wrapped your faith around, it's going to produce. Because God said it would produce. The joy, the peace is coming back to your life. Why? Because he's the God of peace. He's the God of joy. He's the God of all hope. You gave up, but God didn't give up. You stopped believing, but God didn't. And here's why. He can't. I've had people look at me and say, yeah, I just don't know if God believes in me anymore. Oh, that's a lie of the devil. The Bible says, that you are tattooed on God's hand. Every time he looks at you, looks at his hand, he sees you. Every time he wakes up, if God woke up in the night and turned over, he'd look at his hand and see your face. Oh, oh no. (laughs) Not really. Not really. You knew it was coming. I'm like, God, I, I, can't, I, I can't change, right? Amen. But think about that. That's the truth. He said, he said you're, you're tattooed on my hand. I'll, I'll end with this. When he made the garments for the high priest in the Old Testament tabernacle, he put the Urim and the Thummim on Aaron's breast, and he had the stones that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And he had the names of Israel on his shoulders. And it said, when he comes into the presence of God, he'll carry the people on his shoulders and on his heart. Who was Aaron a type and a picture and a shadow of Jesus Christ? He carries you on his heart and on his shoulders all the time. You're never out of his thinking. Ever. Because you got a covenant with God. And he can't change. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an unending love. The book of Jeremiah says, if you can stop the sun from rising and the sun from setting, then you can break my covenant. He said, but you can't do that, so the covenant will never be broken. You know, I'm looking outside today. The sun came up. Tonight, about 5.30, 6, 6.30, it'll go down. What does that mean? The covenant's still in place. Your mistake can't change what God thinks about you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray today, shall we? Let's bow our heads. I believe God. Hallelujah. The system that God enacted through the blood of Jesus Christ is foolproof. And that's why he said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Hallelujah. You know, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, all of you watching online, I ask you to do the same. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. No one is here by coincidence. No one's watching by coincidence. To my knowledge, everyone that, that I see is, is born again, or I assume you are. You're in church. That's not always the case. You're watching online. You're watching us. So I'm assuming you're born again. But what can God take from you today? What can he change? If you're not born again, obviously the first step is to receive Christ into your heart. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But if you are born again, the question then after all that we've said, all that we've taught today, is why would I continue to carry something that Jesus wants me to be free from? And just those thoughts of, boy, you blew it, you missed it, you could have done this and you could have done that. doesn't even have to be thoughts of sin. Boy, you missed this opportunity and you missed that opportunity. You have a covenant with God that says he'll even cause your mistakes to prosper. Hallelujah. So I want you to do something today. I want you to search your heart right now. What are... What is maybe one thing, two things, whatever, however many, that you feel like is stopping you from moving forward? It keeps coming up. It shows up consistently. We're going to get rid of that today because you're going to let it go. Hallelujah. Now, when you have it, and for some, it's going to be very easy When you have it, say this with me, with your eyes closed, meaning it with every ounce of your being. This is Freedom Day. You're, you're, you're going to look back at the 27th of February at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're going to say, that was the day that I walked out of that, and I'm never walking back. And you have a covenant promise from God that says, that enemy that you see today, you will see it no more forever. That's what he said. So when you got it, say this with all your heart, with all your being, everything in you, what you believe. Say, say, it, say it like you're standing in front of a judge and you're there for a very important case and it matters that you are sincere and truthful about what you're saying. Say this out loud. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus. I see this issue. And today, the 27th of February, 2022, I submit to you as my covenant partner and the righteous judge of all the earth who stands in covenant blood and is bound to your word and cannot lie. You said to take this thing and cast it onto you because you care for me. And I declare that from this day, I will carry it no more. It will not hinder me. 
It will not stop me. I am free. I am free. I am free. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now do, do, do yourself a favor. Look to the person to the right or the left of you, however, however it is. You got a neighbor there. And tell him, it feels so good to be free. Tell him, tell him, look at him and say, Jesus set me free today. Tell him this, say, that, that was mine is not mine anymore. Jesus took it. Let's stand up today, shall we? I pray you receive from the word today.